Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Our executive pastor, Justin Frazier, joins us to help us understand that what is impossible for man is always possible with God, as well as learning to prioritize Jesus in our lives by getting rid of some of our distractions. Now, let's hear from Justin Frazier. Hey, this morning I thought we'd do something similar that uh, I actually uh, talked through with our staff earlier this uh, last week. And, uh, you know, the new year is a great time. We naturally just kind of reassess, right? We see all the commercials. Everybody says, be the new you or online. You got all these things. Of We, we don't really talk resolutions as much, but it is uh, a good time to set goals, right? How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing physically? How are we doing financially? How about relationally? All these different things. We just, it's the new year's just kind of a natural time to do that. Uh, but oftentimes we all know that uh, a few weeks or months later, most of those goals have been shattered. We, we've, we haven't done it because we try to do it within our own power, all right? Which we think, okay, I can just will this into, into effect, but we hadn't done it before, and so we don't do a good job of sticking through. So today we're going to look at Scripture, uh, a story where uh, Jesus uh, was talking with a man, and he said there's something that he needed to give up in order to fully follow him with his whole heart, all right? And you all probably remember this. It's, it's the... Uh, it's the um, rich young ruler. So we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke 18, and we're going to walk through this and just uh, kind of show you where we're going. I'm going to try to cover this uh, uh, kind of quickly because at the end I want us to spend time in application, right? As James reminded us, we're supposed to be doers of the Word, not just hearers only, right? We want to not just be smarter sinners, right? We want to live out the faith that we claim to believe. So here's, here's uh, kind of the backdrop. Uh, verse 18, a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, right away in this first question, there's a couple errors, right? The first thing is, what must I do, right? He's thinking works-based. I've got all this stuff, rich young ruler. He had everything the world had to offer, right? What can I do to gain eternal life? Christianity is different from every other religion. It's not about what we can do. It's about what Christ has already done, right? The grace of God. So he already has a misunderstanding of what does it mean to have eternal life and, and do it. And then the other thing is he calls Jesus good, right? Which is kind of interesting. So that's where Jesus goes in 19. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. When you're looking at it in Greek, that word good is referred to, to God, right? A deity. It's a characteristic of only God. And yet this uh, rich young ruler approaches Jesus as just a teacher. So it's not that Jesus is denying his deity, right? He's given the, the, the young man a chance to kind of reflect on what he just said. He's like, do you realize the power of the words that you just issued, right? And so he said, all right. Jesus said, I'm going to take you to the law. Because what was the intention of the law? So show us that we can't be good enough, right? That we all have sin. We can never work good enough. We can never be holy enough. And that we need Jesus. And so he, he, uh, that's where Jesus goes. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear fault witness. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young Euler said, uh, I have kept all these from my youth. Okay. Two, th two points on that. One, he was probably a pretty good dude, right? Because he said, oh, look, I haven't done these things. But what did Jesus do to these commands? Right? What do you do to the law? Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5. 
talks about murder begins in the heart. He said, you've heard it said that our ancestors do not murder, but whoever, uh, well, whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire, right? Jesus raises the standard. He said, it's not just about your actions, it's about what's going on in your heart, in your mind right? We have a sinful heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all else, right? Who can even begin to understand it? We can't even trust our own thoughts, right? Same thing with adultery. A few verses later, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in the heart. So it's not just about the physical action, right? We're trying to checklist mentality. He's saying, listen, you're missing the point of the law. It's not to try to make you holy, to live by the standard. It's to show you that you need a savior. All right, let's jump back to it. And he says, all right, so here's the things. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. All right, so Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter, right? He's not even going to argue those points. He's not going back and saying, well, actually, no, you've done X, Y, and Z. He's saying, all right, let me just cut to the quick. He said, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And after he heard this, he, which is the rich young ruler, became extremely sad because he was very rich. All right, a couple points on this one. When he's talking about he became really sad, that's a similar word to what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was, was, knew what was coming, right? This rich young ruler was really grieved. That may be a better interpretation there because his, his money and possessions were his identity, right? That's what Jesus called out. It wasn't that Jesus was given a prescription of, hey, if you give, if you're generous, if you're uh, philanthropic, if you give your money away, you can earn a spot in heaven. That's not what this was about. This was about what was on the throne of this young man's life, which was what his security and his identity was in his money and possessions. And Jesus cut to it and said, no, because why, what was Jesus going for? What was the first command? Right? I'm the Lord your God. This is Exodus 20. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, do not have any other gods before me, right? That was it. The, what was on the throne of this rich young ruler's life was his money and possessions, all right? It wasn't Jesus. And so that's what was getting in. And what sometimes we forget about is even good things, if it's out of the wrong priority, are an impediment to our, our spiritual growth, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37, the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's big, right? We're supposed to honor our parents. We're supposed to love and raise and pour our lives into our children. But it should never take the throne of our lives, right? Okay, here's another thing that, that may throw you for a little curve. Even the things we do for Jesus can become an obstacle for, to our relationship with Jesus. All right, jumping to the end of the book. Revelation chapter 2, talking to the church of Ephesus. This is what it says. He said, I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you can't tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. You have found them to be liars. I know you have persevered, endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. Those are all awesome things, right? At the end of the day, we would love that to be said against, about us. But what was the conviction? Verse 4, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first right? Jesus was that to be worshiped alone, right? Every, everything else is good in this proper perspective, but there's only one God, and it needs to be sitting on the throne of our life, okay? Back to the story. 
Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, then who can be saved? And he said, with, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Sometimes we, we uh, think this is a commentary on wealth, okay? It's not, and let me tell you why. Right here it says, um, when, when those who heard this, who is, who is Jesus talking to in this? His disciples, okay? They weren't saying, what, then how can a rich man get saved? He said, how can anybody be saved, right, knowing this? Because here's, here's what Jesus is saying. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. You may have heard, this is a little confusing statement in Scripture. Some people said, well, it, he's referring to the gates, right? Because the gates were small in, in Jesus' day, and a camel would have to really navigate carefully, maybe even get down on their knees and get through. I think that's a little, little bit of a stretch. And I think what we can really surmise is that it, it was uh, a metaphor, right? Think of a snowball's, a snowball's chance in hell. You don't have one right? A camel can't go through the eye of the needle, and nobody, whether you're wealthy or not, can earn salvation apart from Jesus. Makes sense, right? And then he, he, the, the good news is we don't have to do it alone. In fact, we can't do it alone. And that's where Jesus said, what is impossible with man, what's impossible for you to do by yourself, is totally possible with God. Okay? We all have issues like this. Now, it may not be a matter of salvation for most of the guys in this room, because you already have a relationship with Jesus, but we have a sinful nature that we constantly have to battle, right? We talked about how we can't trust our heart. We constantly put our time and attention and, and misplace our emphasis on things in our lives all the time, not to mention Satan wants to distract us and, 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 uh, and lead us down the wrong path. So we've got a whole lot of things that we're battling. So that's what we're going to talk about. What is, what do you need to cut out of your life or maybe deprioritize or reprioritize to keep Jesus at the proper place in your life. Because that's the end of the day. That's what we have to give account for. There's a lot of things clamoring for your time and attention, even good things, stuff you do for the Lord, your family, your job. It's good to have a job and work. It can't be the center of your life. It can't be your identity, right? And let me, let me before we get to the application, let me just summarize with three things. One, we all worship something. Ecclesiastes 3.11 said, God said eternity in our heart. We were created for worship. We were created for a relationship with the Lord. But we try to fill that with a lot of other things. We get to choose what we worship, but what we worship determines our identity. Because that's where we're going to find our worth. Does that make sense? Two, right, we learn from this, obviously, that we can't earn our own salvation. There's nothing you can do, right? A camel can't go through the eye of a needle. A snowball can't survive in hell. And we can't earn our salvation, Right? And then last, we've got to work together to get this done. At the end of the day, we can't do this, right? We can't earn salvation. With man, it's impossible, all right? But with God, we absolutely can. So let me, let me challenge you uh, with this. Jesus offers us a better way to live, right? I have come to give you life and have it more abundantly. But it's, sometimes it's painful. That's why the rich young ruler went away sad, Right? He had a lot of wealth, that was his identity, and the pain of giving that up, he just couldn't bear it. But if you'll follow Jesus' way, I promise you it's the best. Right? He's, he's, got his, he's created us, he loves us, he knows the number of hairs on your head, spoke the world into existence, I think he knows 
what's best for our lives, even sometimes when it's painful. So this is where I want us to land, is, is here, these, these questions. Let me just jump to that, because we're kind of running out of time. We're going to have you discuss two questions. Okay. What thing or things in your life is holding you back from following Jesus with your whole heart? Okay, it may be, it's probably more than one, but here's what we're going to do. As men, we all have issues. I mean, we, we struggle as, as people, let alone as men. And there's, there's uh, comfort in understanding what other guys are going through, so you're not alone. But then we're going to get to the solution. We're talking about problems and solutions. What steps will you commit to making in 2023 to remove these obstacles or distractions from following Jesus? When we get to the end of 2023, we ought to be closer to Jesus than we were today. Does that make sense? That only happens through intentional growth. We've got to be intentional and some accountability. That's why we never see in Scripture that, that in the New Testament, you don't see Jesus save somebody and they go off by themselves. We were created for community. We need each other. We saw that all the way back in, in Genesis. Everything was good until it was not good for man to be alone. We need each other. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want us to spend the last 15 minutes... Uh, and I was hoping to have a little more. We'll be good here, though. Just talk about this. What are, what are the things in your life that distract you, that get in your way, that are obstacles from your relationship with Jesus, and how do you do something about it, right? And then you have some built-in um, uh, accountability, too. And so we've got guys online. I'll leave this up here. I'm going to ask you guys to discuss as a group. And we know we have a huge population of people that listen to this after the fact as a podcast. And so I would encourage you to do the same thing. Find some guys. It's the same reason that, that uh, New Year's resolutions or goals typically don't work if you don't uh, share it with somebody, right? We need that accountability. We need that encouragement. And so that's what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to spend some time uh, being doers of the word, not just hearers only. So how does that apply in your life? It may look a little differently than the rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus may not be calling you to go and sell everything you have. He might. Are you willing to do that? Most of us want to talk about it. Right? But is Jesus really on the throne of our lives? If he asked you to do something hard, how would you respond? Because we all have to fight our own sinful temptations. Where are, where's your identity rooted? Where do you place too much value? What do you allow to kind of creep in and distract you from your relationship with the Lord? And let's do something about it. All right, make sense? All right, so I'm leaving these on the screen. I'll just, just discuss at the tables. If you're not at a table, jump at a table. You can get all the way with those back row Baptists back there that are sitting in the far whack. Uh, and, uh, and then just close in prayer. All right, ready to go. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.